Hi everybody, this is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California with Roy Cole in Jersey, New Jersey and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is Coast to Coast to Coast, our discussion on the greatest albums or what we consider the greatest albums of all time. What are your top favorite albums of all time? I would say three at the most. I think I could guess at least two of yours, Jeff. And but I, I don't want to say it, but I have what I think they are in mind. And Roy, okay. I was trying to predict what yours would be, but tell you what, why don't you write down uh, what you think mine's going to be or what Roy's going to be, and then we'll <laughs> we'll reel ours. How's that? <laughs> Well, I, mean, I mean, how do we know what Derek wrote down? I trust Derek. I don't need to write it down. I, I mean, yeah, all right, I'll do my number three. First of all, uh, as a preface to this, um, two prefaces. Uh, one, uh, I like music. I like a lot of music, and I would be happy with doing a podcast specifically talking about music. Um, so I have a lot to say, uh, a lot of opinions about it. But um, Well, you'll have to do that on another podcast. This <laughs> exactly. <is> a... <laughs> um, the other thing is, I there are two years in music that I particularly consider to be um, the greatest in modern pop music, and three uh, out of my three albums, two of them are from the same year, and the other one is from the other year. Um, the two years being my two favorite years in music. So, with that said, my number three is. Wait, I, sorry, sorry, I'm really sorry. I just uh, now that you say that, I I think I have a good idea. At least one of those albums that you're gonna say. Um, okay. So I'll I'll make a mental note if I'm right or not. <laughs> okay. Do Jeff's method of writing it down and then yeah. I'll have no. Way I'll reveal it. my mental note to everyone yeah. later. I right. want to see it written down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my number three album of all time is from 1994. It's called Grassroots by a band called 311. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my personal favorite album from my favorite band. Um, they would gain more popularity with their follow-up Blue album from 1995, and while that album is their big label, their major label debut, it has cleaner production and probably more accessible melodies. To me, Grassroots represents the band at their peak, both lyrically and creatively. Um, they have a unique, if you don't know 311, basically they, they have a very unique sound. They blend rock, reggae, and rap. And I think on Grassroots, every song just comes out really great. Um, you've got hard rocking songs like Homebrew and Applied Science. You have uh, very, very heavy lyrics. Uh, when I say heavy lyrics, I mean the album is very lyric heavy. I mean, like during their later albums, there's a lot more like repeating the same line multiple times during the chorus. But with this, you could tell that they were young and they had a lot to say and a lot to express. And so it's just so lyrical. Um, It's also introspective. You have songs like 816 AM, which are very um, calm and uh, contrasting to the, to the heavier songs. And then you have uh, songs like Taid and Nut Symptom, which display the uh, musical talents of, the band, particularly um, the guitarist Tim Mahoney and bassist Peanut, um, 
and it just so it's 14 tracks and to me just from start to finish it's just a masterpiece and my favorite entry into this band's discography so that's one album that can always that always lifts me up and uh gives me something to enjoy cool uh roy roy next sure um I guess I have a top three, but but it's really in, in no particular order. But uh, uh, I guess I'll, I'll start with this one. So my number three album is uh, Liquid Swords by the Jizza, uh, one of the yeah. members of the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, also known as Genius, uh, but more commonly known as the Jizza. And uh, I think it's the best rap album of all time. Um, definitely, without a doubt, the best um, lyrics of a rap album of all time. I think Jizza is pro- probably the best lyricist in rap that I've ever heard. Um, there's lots of other good lyricists, but but I think he paints the best stories. And and this was like the uh, like his best work, like all on one CD, and um. And it's produced by uh, his Wu Tang uh, partner, the RZA, um, who, when he produces albums, tends to incorporate uh, uh, samples from martial arts films. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just this amazing combination of um, really good lyrics that are that are. If he paints a story of, of like growing up in, in inner city New York and uh, how, how tough it was. And uh, and then the the beats in the background are like these very experimental but dark uh, martial arts sound. I can't even describe it. Um, it's just something that only the RZA does. Uh, like there's no other producer that that makes beats like this. Um, and, and just the combination of the uh, the surreal beats. With uh, these amazing uh, stories being, uh, uh, he he's like painting with words. That's that's how I describe it. Um, I feel it's the best rap album of all time. So so I have it as, as my number three favorite album of all time. I like that choice, Roy. I'm familiar with the album, and uh, I do. You, I like the opening track, uh, self uh, titled "Liquid Swords." Also. <clears throat> I definitely like how the beat kind of has this, um, it kind of like builds suspense as the beat intensifies, you know what I'm saying? It opens up with that um, ancient Japan uh, sample, and then it just uh, transitions seamlessly into the rap and the beat kicks in. And I really enjoy the way that album starts. So yeah, I like that choice. Right. Yeah. I believe there's uh in the movie uh the forty year old virgin, uh during a couple scenes, Seth Rogan's character is actually wearing a t shirt that is just a picture of uh the Liquid Swords album cover on the shirt, which is kind of random. Uh interesting trivia. I would choose for my third pick Odele by Beck. I knew uh, <laughs> I was. I didn't know. I I I thought it was going to be either two or three. It was three. That was. 
I would say, I, I obviously I have very fond memories of this album. It was my first album that I, uh, I think it was one of the first albums I purchased. But um, to me, it just has so many great um, different types of uh, musical um, genres. It has, there's like, there's like rock, there's like hip hop, there's experimental rock, there's like alternative. I mean, it just has, I mean, it has, yeah, some folk, yeah, folk rock. I mean, it has where it's at. It has Daryl's haircut. It's got the new pollution. I mean, it just first of all, those those alone would make it worth it. But also, um, I love the last track, Ramshackle. It's just a nice way to end it. There's even a hidden track, which I thought is which I never heard before. I'm just it's something you just put in there. Um, I almost was going to put in Midnight Vultures, but I figured, all right, I I like this one more. Just I feel like there's more going on in this particular album, but I do like the other one as well. Um, I think Beck is enormously talented, and I think this is his masterpiece. So, I saw it. Beck uh, in August, last August. Hmm. Uh, he came to uh, uh, Flushing Meadows in New York. How was he? Was he good? Uh, he was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people didn't know who he was. Um, uh, you know what's funny is uh, the next day at work, uh, they're like, what'd you do this weekend? I'm like, oh, I went to see Beck and uh, nobody knew who I was talking about. <laughs> that's, wow. That's th- th- these were like people like in their mid-20s and um, <laughs> yeah, they don't listen to Beck. Sad. All right, back to you, Dirk. Okay, just a few comments. Uh, sure. Odile, I, I really enjoyed that. That was, I thought you were going to, choose uh midnight vultures as possibly a fourth runner-up but have odalay as their third choice so i was yeah. <laughs> very, very, very by the way I, I thought that you were going to say a 311 self-titled album as your number three uh-huh. and, then, and then you went with grassroots so yeah yeah that, it's a tough choice but I, I like grassroots a little bit more and um with odalay um despite all of the uh, radio hits on the album. My favorite track on the album is indeed Ramshackle, the last track. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great song. Yeah, and uh, 1994 had Mellow Gold, right? Where he kind of broke out with uh, his single Loser, Loser, which 1994 was one of the years I chose as one of my two favorite years in music. Mm. So. Going to my second choice is also from 1994, and it's Dookie by Green Day. Awesome. <clears throat> so I think a lot of people who grew up in the 90s like us can call this kind of like the soundtrack of their generation, perhaps along with Nevermind by Nirvana. Um, and I think a lot of people connect with this album because it captures the inertia of punk music, but it makes it a lot more palatable to a wider range of listeners because it filters out the more intense elements of punk music and kind of replaces it with elements of pop, which this kind of started the pop punk trend, which uh, not everyone likes. Uh, I realized that there are some detractors who do not enjoy this album or do not enjoy what Green Day was doing with music, but um, I think it's a great album. the chord progressions are pretty simplistic. There isn't really a lot of um, 
technical musicianship being displayed in the instrumentation in itself, but I think that belies the lyrical maturity that's on the album, which, I mean, the lyricist Billy Joe was pretty young when he wrote it, and I remember buying the album when, when I was in, I guess, middle school, and um, enjoying it, but probably not understanding all of the lyrics at the time. And as I've grown older and understood the lyrics more, um, I've enjoyed it more. Uh, I think a lot of people, I think part of the reason why it is so, why it connects with so many people is because the lyrics display a lot of, the lyrics express a lot of frustration. And I think a lot of people can relate to that in different ways. And um, so while I always am finding new music to add to my collection, this is one of those albums that I can always go back to when I'm looking for a sense of familiarity and something I can sing along to. And it's just, it's one of the first albums I bought and it's just remained one of my favorites ever since. So this, this you know, you can say what you like about it, but... I think there's no denying that it's connected with so many people from our generation. I'm a little ashamed of this because this is actually more or less a greatest hits album. Spice Girls. Uh, what's that? I said, I said Spice Girls. <laughs> Spice Girls greatest hits. Uh, yeah, they yeah, only had great. one album, right? <laughs> <It was> just... <laughs> but no, no, it's not the Spice Girls uh, greatest hits. Um, it's a, uh, the Kinks Ultimate Collection. Um, it was hard. I couldn't pick a single Kinks album. And the thing about the you know the band The Kinks is that their sound evolved so much over the course of really three different decades, where um, they kind of started out as like a like a rock and roll band. Uh, right in the same vein as uh um not not even the beatles they were like harder like a harder sound than the beatles um well i guess a little, not not the stones either i don't know they they were just like a, a pure hard rock band and and so they came out with like you really got me and and all day and all the, of the night yeah. and that was like uh their hard rock uh period and then uh later on they kind of transitioned where it was still rock music but it was almost like um uh like music that was telling a story of of life in england and so that's when they came out with uh like lola and and waterloo sunset which was just this music that really painted like this this compelling portrait of of life in england um i guess that was during the 70s and then in the 80s they completely transitioned to have like an 80s sound. Um, and, and they did this all like seamlessly. And uh, yeah, in the 80s, they, they came out with uh, Come Dancing, which has, which I feel like captured, it's very like quintessential 80s, but, but not in like a bad way or in a cheesy way. It's it just like, they just seamlessly ad adapted to the 80s sound. And put out songs that that just completely fit uh, into into that zeitgeist at the time. And then, uh, and then the very last track 
is like the the perfect uh, prom like last dance song, which is "Don't Forget to Dance." So uh, it's just amazing to me that one band could just hit all these genres, and just every genre they attempted, they just knocked it out of the park with with like songs that that were just at the top of, of that particular genre. Um, yeah, and, and uh, it's 24 tracks, and uh, it, it's just amazing to hear the progression of the sound. And um, yeah, I think they're one of the most underrated bands of all time, for sure. I think the Kinks are given a lot more recognition in their home country of the United Kingdom um, than they are here in the U.S. And I agree with Roy of them being an extremely influential band and an often overlooked band, mm. um, probably because they were, they, they kind of debuted at the same time as like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And a lot of times they're kind of seen as like a lower tier band compared to those. But as Roy pointed out, they are extreme. They, they were one of the most creative bands of, of the time. And they kind of started their sound. Like you said, it's kind of like proto punk is a lot of um, what a lot of people describe their original sound as. And if I were to pick an, a single album from them, I would choose Arthur. I don't mm. know if with the album Arthur, but that's that's a good, it's a very British album, uh, as is uh, the, the Village Green Preservation Society album. Um, but I think those are those are great albums. If, if we're going to look at albums, not greatest hits, those are two good albums that kind of bottle up their their energy and, and their ability to create, to paint a picture and uh keep a consistent theme throughout the album. All Jeff. right. My number two, I guess, would be... This is hard for me to just... It was, once again, this was a very difficult decision for me to decide. Um, another one of my favorite albums, and this is one that, um, not to make a joke, expanded my mind, which uh, would make you maybe hints at psychedelic rock. So I would say Jimi Hendrix and Are You Experienced? This is one of the albums that I connected to, even though it, was, it came out in 1967, I believe. Let me just double check that. Yep, 60, well, okay. Yeah, it was released in 1967. And I just, it's something about the way the music was orchestrated that made me feel like, it was the, it was the first time I listened to a track, and the track I'm specifically speaking of is Purple Haze, of course, uh, that I felt that, I was p getting a picture of something and I didn't know, I, I, I didn't know how to interpret it initially, but I'm like, wow, I can really picture something because of this music. And these songs were recorded before their music videos. So you can picture whatever you want and you're not tied into a music video to tell you what you should be thinking of or something like that. Um, but um, I of course got the CD release and the tracks are slightly different on there, but I mean, Purple Haze, Manic Depression, Hey Joe, I mean, Third Stone from the Sun, Foxy Lady, and of course, Are You Experienced? They just all paint pictures in your head, and they're just so beautifully written. And I know some people think that, oh, they're just drug-induced or whatever, and I personally don't think that there's a purity to music, and it certainly carries you away to like a whole other place. So I would say I really feel like it's a great album uh, overall, it's a great psychedelic rock album. It's a great rock album. It's a great album, and I just feel like if you if you like his style of guitar playing, look no further. 
I think it's a definite contender for the greatest debut album of all time. Oh, yeah. I would say um, so, yeah. As far as both quality of songs and also just um, the influence influence mm-hmm. that it had in the musical landscape at the time and, you know, right. difference from what was available up, like what was happening at the time versus what he put out and then what changed after it. Um, I think... Yeah it was just such a big uh, step up from what other people were doing. So I definitely consider that um, one of my favorite albums as well. And like I said, probably one of the best debuts of all time. All right. And on that note, anything you guys want to recommend? Yeah, I have a real recommendation this all time. Right. <laughs> that I actually enjoyed. <laughs> my first thing that I like. Um, it's a show that's on Netflix. It's a, a sketch comedy show uh, called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Uh, It's his sketch show. Uh, So Tim Robinson was a not well-known cast member of Saturday Night Live. Uh, I believe he lasted one season. I think he wrote for four seasons on the show, but but was only an actual uh, uh, performer for one season before they kicked him off. And um, yeah, now he's gone solo, like doing his own sketch show. And uh, I think this is funnier than Saturday Night Live, like by a mile. Um, I meant to like catch one sketch. I wanted to see what it was like. And I ended up binge watching the entire season on Netflix because it, it was just so laugh out loud funny. Um, the, I, I, was, I was drawn in <laughs> the very first sketch of the entire series is um he's just wrapping up a job interview at a at like a coffee shop and uh he's like all right well i hope to hear from you and he walks out the door and um he goes to pull it but it's a push door and, and so the interviewer sees it, he's like oh it looks like you have to push it <laughs> and tim robinson is like no no it does both actually it goes both ways and then for the next minute, <laughs> he proceeds to pull the door open, <laughs> like going against the, the hinges of the door. <laughs> and you just watch him for a minute struggle with the door. <laughs> and it like it zooms in on the hinges as they're like straining under the pressure. And eventually like the whole door like collapses <laughs> off the hinges. <laughs> and he finally gets it open. And he's like, see, I told you, it goes both ways. <laughs> then uh from that moment, uh, I'm like, I, I gotta watch the rest of this. And uh, I think I watched. Oh, sorry, were, were you, were you finished? No, and that's basically kind of the the vibe of the series is, is like this character desperately does not want to be wrong <laughs> at any point, so he always goes to extreme lengths to to make sure that everybody knows he's correct, uh, even when he's clearly wrong. And uh, <laughs> it's just. It's it's really funny uh, the absurd uh, lengths he ends up going through. There's another. There's so many good sketches from the show. There's one I tried to send you guys, but I I couldn't find it on YouTube. Where uh, they're playing celebrity at someone's house, and uh, one of the guys keeps picking the most obscure celebrities that nobody else knows except him. <laughs> you know it's actually uh tim from uh the tim and eric's awesome show um 
and he keeps coming up with these celebrities that nobody knows and he gets really upset that like nobody is able. he's like come on i'm giving you such good clues <laughs> it's like nobody knows who these people are so uh, yeah i recommend that show thanks for joining us today please send us a message at coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com that's coast the number two coast the number two and then coast podcast at gmail.com tune in next week for part two of our discussion on the greatest albums of all time